So when I graduated from Jerusalem on the Brazos, uh, Baylor University, <laughs> God took me into one of the greatest seasons of loneliness that I've walked through in my life. Now from the outside looking in, you wouldn't think it would be a lonely season. I was going to serve at a camp, a uh, the, yes, actually Sam over here and I served together at this camp, yes, which is awesome. I had been on staff at Pine Cove Camps at a family camp and uh, they were bringing me on the team and they said, hey, we want you to see what happens at the youth camps and so we're going to send you to be part of the ranch camp and we want you to counsel in our junior high cabins. How many junior hires up here? Yes, we got a few. No, no hands. No, come on, y'all, we got a big crew up there, yes, which is fun. And, and I'm thinking this is going to be awesome, right? I'm going to camp. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be around a bunch of people, like, right, rooms full of people like you're in right now with others that know and love Jesus. And, and uh, I'm going to get to hang out with junior high kids and grow relationships. We're going to play games. It's going to be fun. And I left all my friends at school. And when I came to camp, I didn't anticipate the fact that, oh, you know what, the the friends that I have at camp are actually working at another camp. So I'm not a camp where the staff are people I don't know. And I'm going to be in a cabin now with campers, you know, and all the junior hires show up. And, and uh, it doesn't really work to get your group together and say, hey, I'm your counselor and I'm very lonely. <laughs> and so, yeah, can, can I share with you uh, uh, all the struggles I have right now in my heart and my life? And why don't y'all just listen and, and uh, counsel me? Like that is, it doesn't work that way, right? So we were with the kids, uh, really 24-7. There was a little block in the day that was called free time, and I was at the ropes course, and my role was to roll the ladder back and forth. And so I was by myself with the ladder and trying to counsel with the ladder, and that didn't work myself. And I was like, I was lonely. I, I didn't have someone next to me saying, Sam, how are you doing? Uh, I didn't have someone that I could share with, uh, you know, man, I'm, I'm battling here and I'm struggling with this. And, and that just, that wasn't happening. And I remember several weeks in, uh, one of the counselors said, hey, Sam, how are you enjoying your cake and steak? And I was like, cake and steak? You know, that time where you get together in the afternoons with the other counselors in a small group at the, the director's house at a table. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know this. I didn't know this existed. So yeah, we talked about an orientation. I guess I, this never happens to anyone, right? In a big room, listening to someone talk up front. Somehow I didn't listen, and I, I I didn't get that there was a time where where I was invited to a table to be with a few of the other guy counselors and to kind of share what was going on. And so actually, then I figured out the way I hadn't worked out my schedule, it didn't work. And it, it took like five weeks for me to show up to what they called cake and steak. The reason they called it cake and steak is we would sit at a table and we would eat. We'd eat good food. And that was the cake side of the cake and steak. The steak side is we'd open the Bible then and we would read from God's word together and talk about how we were wrestling with applying that in our own life or not applying it. And then we would pray for each other. And I remember, it, it was not immediate, but it was quick that after connecting with a few of those guys in Cake and State 
and having them really ask me what's, what's, what was happening in my own heart and me kind of slowly saying, I know I'm supposed to be the full-time staffer now, but I'm really not doing great. There's a hole inside. And them saying, hey, that's okay, because one of them said, actually, I kind of feel the same way. And they started walking with me. Uh, now, we didn't get to talk all the time because I was in a cabin with junior high guys. We got to meet and get together once a week and share. Now, why do I start here? Now, I don't, I don't know where you are in your life, but I think there's a possibility that maybe for you right now, you're in a season of loneliness, that you're walking through uh, something that may be painful that really no one knows about. Uh, maybe you don't have a... 2 a.m. friend that you can just buzz and say, hey, can I come talk to you right now? Or will you cover me? I, I need help. And, and you're, you're hurting and you don't even really know how to describe the hurt, but you're lonely. I, I've been there at different seasons in my life. Uh, does God have anything to say about it? Yes, he does. Uh, if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. As you're turning there, the Bible doesn't have this prescription telling us what groups are supposed to look like in the church, but there are places in the Bible that give us descriptions of what was happening in the early church. And in Acts chapter 2, we're going we're gonna to see a community that's actually about the size of First McKinney. Uh, that, that there was immediately in Jerusalem after Peter taught at Pentecost, 3,000 people that say, okay, I want to follow Christ. And they didn't have a First Baptist Jerusalem. And they were like, what do we do? Well, they kept going to the temple and worshiping God at the temple, and then they broke up into smaller groups. And we're going to read about what was happening in those groups. Before I get there, because our series is titled The Table, I want to give you just even a little bit more biblical background behind the table. You can look at the Old Testament and see that God cared about his people getting together and, and sharing around a table. Uh, if you look at what was commanded for them, there were seven different feasts during the year. And some of them that would last longer than a meal. In fact, many of them that would last longer than a day's worth of meals. I read an article at one point in my past that I looked for again this week and wasn't able to find. But that was arguing if you were a common Jew, meaning not on the wealthy level you were spending about 20% of your annual income on getting at a table and feasting with your close family and friends. The table was a big deal to God in the Old Testament. And we can read about a lot of one of the most famous passages in Scripture, like the, uh, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Now Jesus shows up on the scene and Jesus was a really good Jew. If you read the Gospels, we find Jesus at the table a lot. He, he was at, the, his first miracle was at a wedding feast. 
He gets with his disciples and he eats. He eats with the tax collectors and sinners. He sits at a table that many in his time wouldn't sit at. He was welcoming all people to his table. And then before he left, Jesus told his disciples, hey, when you get together, I want you to do something. It's, it's actually Jesus' only commanded thing for us to do when we get together. You know what he said to do? I want you to remember me when you take the bread and the cup and eat it and remember what I've done for you on the cross. Jesus rises again after he died. He spends 40 days here on earth with his followers. We're about to get to where we are going to be in Acts. They then see Jesus go up into heaven and they get together and have this prayer gathering in a room. Peter preaches Pentecost. People come to faith in Christ. What do we do? What do we do? So I'm going to show you what they did. All right. If you're part of our church, I'm going to put a graphic here on the screen here for a second. This graphic is not graphic. It's a picture. A picture on the screen. We believe, this is our discipleship pathway here at First McKinney, that God wants all followers of Jesus to worship him. Like you're in a worship gathering right now, which is great, but also individually spend time with him in worship. To live in community. This is what we're going to talk about through this series to be part of groups in our church, the, the primary of that is life groups, but there are other groups. There's men's groups, women's groups, there's marriage groups. That's one of the things happening on Wednesday nights. Maybe you right now and your family and your marriage might need to check out one of those. We don't, we don't expect people to be part of all the groups. We don't. But we want you to find a group. We, we want you to be in a group that, that you need in your life right now so you can find community. We have campus groups, off-campus groups, whatever. We also believe God's called you to serve others and to make disciples. This next month, we're gonna be focusing on what does it look like for us to live in community? And we wanna look at, again, not a prescription, but a description of the early church in Acts 2. All right? Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, I wanna invite you to stand with me in order to honor God's word. <coughs> what happened to those 3,000 new believers in Jerusalem? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If it's comfortable for you, I want to invite you to your knees. If not, you can just sit down there on your pew. <clears throat> I want to invite you to talk to God for a minute. 
Maybe you're in a season of loneliness and you can just let God know that. I mean, it's not gonna surprise him, he knows already, but be open with him, talk to him about it for a second, ask for him to help. And then we see in Acts 1, right before this story happens, the people gathered together and prayed. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I would, would ask that you would ask the Spirit to move in this place. Holy Spirit, glorify your Son Jesus through this time and help your church. Help me to communicate and every person in this room they're part of the communication as they hear and apply. God, help us all. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes today, I want you to know that I'm not planning to cover all of the verses I just read. We're going to divide them up over the next four weeks, and I'm going to show you how we're going to divide them. Verse 42, back up with me. It says, and they, the early church, when they were gathering, devoted themselves. Just a moment talking about the word there, devoted. The early church themselves, not just the leader, but those that were part of the church, they devoted. The word devoted implies persisting in or persevering in something it 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 means they were doing something that required work and accountability together a christian community is a wonderful thing but it is not easy a christian community is is a great thing but it's not just peter that was making Christian community happen. It's not just your life group leader that's going to bring community into your life. I've talked to many life group leaders as I've led up to this series and they're really excited about the thought of all of us working together to devote ourselves to the things that we see in Acts chapter two. It says that they devoted themselves, they worked hard on something a phrase that you're going to hear, biblical community is forged, not found. Biblical community, the examples we see in Scripture, is, is a, a messy, a, a group that if you read the Paulian letters to the churches, that they had to be corrected a lot because when you put sinful people like me in a room with sinful people like you, it doesn't just go great, right? But it's worked on together. Biblical community is forged, not found. Maybe there's been times in your life, like for me at Cake and Steak, where you've walked in a room and you've found community. The reason you're finding it is because you're entering into a room that's been forging it for a while. And if you don't work on it, then you're going to mess up the room if you don't forge it with the room. Biblical community is forged, not found. And so it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship 
to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Your translation might not have all those these in it. Biblical scholars make a big deal out of them because they say that if Paul was just describing what was going on in the church kind of offhanded, he wouldn't put the definite article before each one of these things. And so he wanted us to hear these things as he puts the in front of each of these things. And so the next four weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about these things. 242 through 47, don't talk at length about each one of these things, but we're gonna look at the context of this passage. And so what, what, what does this look like? They devoted themselves today, and this is not all. Today, we're gonna look at the apostles' teaching. If you think after leaving today that all we're supposed to do is devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, you'll miss out. I, I wanna invite you to hear and see each one of these things as we walk through the series. So they devoted, they, they, biblical community is not forged, not forged, not found. They devoted, they worked hard on the apostles' teaching. So here's then the question, how do we, if we're gonna come to a table, we use the table illustration even for the teaching today, how can we be part of forging community like the apostles did, like the early church did? How can we be part of setting the table for the apostles' teaching? Well, let's look at the example of the early church. Back up with me. If you look at chapter two, you see that Peter, one of the apostles, teaches in the passage. How can we be part of setting up the apostles' teaching like they did? When I initially was putting notes together for my sermon, I was, a, I was thinking about, well, the Holy Spirit moved in a crazy way. And so I wanted my first point to be, make the Holy Spirit move. Well, how do you do that? I think we have to back up a little farther and it's not something we do. But every time the Spirit of God has moved in a powerful way, it's been a result of people coming together and praying together. So how do you set the table for the apostles' teaching? I'm gonna challenge you first point here. Marinate every meal. When I say meal, that every teaching opportunity that God gives you or other people in the groups, the communities you're part of in prayer. Chapter one, Jesus goes up into heaven. What do they do? Verse 14 tells us, all these with one accord were devoting. There's that word again. They were working hard on something together. They were devoting themselves to prayer. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. You may have noted that this is one of the things in verse 2, 42. It is one of the things we're gonna spend a whole Sunday talking about. So I'm not gonna go length here today but fellowship is not something we create on our own. Biblical community is a supernatural thing that you and I get to be part of praying for. And that even includes teaching. Even if you're not the teacher, Peter was the teacher. The whole community came together praying. And then Peter and others were empowered. Chapter two tells us there was a wind sound the Spirit of God descended on them in a powerful way. There was a flaming tongue on their heads and they started speaking in languages that the people who had gathered in Jerusalem could understand from all over the world. 
God moved in a big way in response to their prayer. Second thing, what did Peter preach? Peter preached the Bible. I, I think that many of us Baptists uh, need to be a little more charismatic at times. And that includes myself. Uh, the flack and that at times, it's rightfully so, not always, the, the flack that happens sometimes in the charismatic churches is people think that, okay, if the Spirit comes on me, then I'm just gonna let my tongue speak and do whatever my tongue wants to speak and do. As you look at the example of what the apostles taught in the book of Acts, when they were supernaturally empowered by the Holy Spirit, it wasn't just new words that no one had ever heard before. What they spoke was the word of God that had been recorded for them and they helped them understand what I'll show you next. So here's the second point. Serve at the table. If you wanna be part of helping set the table for the apostles' teaching, serve scripture. Here, I'll show it to you. Peter stands up to teach. Verse 14 in chapter two, Peter standing with the 11 lifted his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, that's nine in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. What does Peter do? He immediately, empowered by the Holy Spirit, opens the Bible. And he points them to Joel, verse 17, verse 18, verse 19, verse 20, verse 21, is Peter teaching, reading the text, Joel. Well, I guess then after he reads the text, he'll just go off and talk about now what the Spirit wants to reveal. Well, the Spirit wants to reveal what he has said through his word. Verse 25, for David says concerning him. The rest of verse 25, I saw the Lord. 26, David's words. Verse 27, David's words. Verse 28, you'll get the point. If that's not enough, Verse 34, for David did not ascend to, into heaven, but he himself says, back to the Bible, quoting scripture, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Y'all see what he was doing. The apostles, when they taught, they taught the Bible. The early church, all of them were together devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what was the apostles' teaching? What were they serving? They were serving scripture. Church, um, one of the things that concerns me right now in a postmodern culture is there are a lot of churches, and, and, and we, we have to pray that God protects our rooms, our groups, and me, this pulpit, from what we read this week, if you're in the Bible reading plan with us, Satan's First temptation was asking a question. Did God really say, y'all remember this? And there are so many right now teachers that are teaching, basing their teaching on questioning God's word. 
Did, did God really say the love of money is the root of all evil? Did, did God really say male and female, he created them? Did God really say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ? Did, did God really, y'all see, where I, we could just keep going, right? I'll have life group leaders ask me sometimes, is there any correct curriculum you recommend? We have curriculum. <laughs> and there's, there's a big difference, and we, there's a big difference between a message that's about, ah, is this real? Or God's word says, okay? How do we set the table for the apostles' teaching? And it's uncomfortable at times, but we have a God who loves us, who's given us his word. And if he's a good father and he wonderful and really is, we are going to be blessed by hearing it and, and, oh, and he's gonna be glorified. Serve scripture. Third point, ensure Jesus is the main course. Now, what do I say here? Uh, why am I saying this? Uh, do you know that you can serve scripture and only offer appetizers? That you can go to the Bible and, and teach your, uh, hey, how can God make you happy today? Or the message of loneliness can just be, don't feel lonely, right? How do we really get the help the Bible offers? Notice what Peter does, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He goes to the Bible and after pointing people to scripture, he shows them that scripture is pointing them to the main course, Jesus. Verse 22, men of Israel hear these words, who? Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. And as yourself know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him, Jesus, up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Okay, he's like, I've talked enough now. I'm gonna go back to the Bible. He goes to David's words after David's words. Verse 29, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that, well, I guess David's gonna be his main point now, huh? He both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants, who's that gonna be? Jesus on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the God the promises of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing for David. And then he quotes David again, verse 36. If you didn't get already his point was Jesus, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus 
whom you crucified. When the apostles were setting the table and bringing to people things that they knew that they needed through their teaching, they taught scripture, but the main message was Jesus. You can keep going, you think, well, that's just Pentecost. I think maybe Peter just had an evangelistic sermon. Read Acts. Uh, Keep going, Uh, chapter four, uh, the, the, the apostles were in trouble with the religious leaders at the temple they were going to church at, by the way. And why were they in trouble? They, they, they say to the apostles in Acts chapter 5, 28, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Stop the main point guy that you keep talking about. And Peter and the apostles answered them, this is their church leaders. Answer them, we must obey God rather than man they knew jesus was the main point my daughter this week uh, went to our last week went to have her eyes checked another one's going to get her eyes checked soon when you look at the eye chart you know there's always a big e there's other letters jesus is the big e of the bible okay he's the big e and by the way, it's a J, but it has E in it. <laughs> if we don't teach Jesus, then the tables that we try to facilitate for Christian community are no different than the world. A- apart from Jesus, Christian community, just like the world, is based on grades, not grace. But with Jesus, the main point, you could have a college guy raise his hand and say, I'm hurting. And someone say, me too. And more than that, with Jesus, You can be at a messy table with people like you who aren't just tired, they're sinful. And last week rebelled against God. And they can come to a table with people not based on grades, but based on grace. Ensure that Jesus is the main course. And finally, you know, you can spit food out. I do think a lot of people go to church and go to their groups and they hear scripture in Jesus and then they leave and they think, you know what? I heard all that, but I'm still gonna live the way I wanna live digest through obedience digest through obedience this is the way the people responded to the teaching verse 37 now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what shall we do do I thought it wasn't doing I thought it was believing yes but real believing responds with action Your lives change. 
And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. What was he, a Southern Baptist preacher? Fire and brimstone? Repent? You know that God calls us to life change? To, to in response to Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, live different. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, every one whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort, exhort means uh, pushing them to do something, exhorting them saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his words, they weren't just hearing it, they are digesting it, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know what's repulsive to our world when it comes to Christian community? It's not Christians that are living gracefully and truthfully in line with Scripture. It's Christians that are living like hypocrites that say we believe, but we don't bring it into our lives and digest and let it transform us from the inside out. We, we, we spit out the apostles' teaching and we live, no, God, the Christ, true Christian community is meant for people who are ready to devote themselves they repented, it says. Martin Luther, opening the Reformation, he nailed the 95 Theses on the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. The first thing in Martin Luther's 95 Thesis was this, that our Lord and Master Jesus Christ has willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Does that mean we don't sin? No, it does not mean we don't sin. But it means in the context of community that we're challenging each other and we're seeking to hear, receive, digest, and obey the word of God. Jesus himself said, as we go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we're to be teaching them, same word in Acts, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded us. If you want to be part of true Christian community, if you want to help forge it, because Christian community is forged, not found, I want to invite you with your group. It's a, 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 your men's devotional group leader can't make this all happen. Your life group leader can't all of it. No, go and help set the table, marinate every meal in prayer, serve scripture, ensure Jesus is the main course and digest through obedience in your life. Go all in. Go all in for the glory of Christ. And through this series, we're gonna to get to hear from some in our church who have found community in different ways. And I get to bring up right now Scott and Abby Conaway that are here in our church. Y'all might know Abby's face as she's sung in our choir. Scott's face as he's one of our deacons, one of our newer deacons here in the church. And I want you to hear from them 
how God has led them uh, to community here. And so Scott and Abby, thank y'all for making time and y'all were hosting extended family this weekend and you were a little under the weather this week. And uh, yeah, thank y'all for making time. So I want y'all to tell the room how y'all found uh, community in our church. Good question. So we moved here to McKinney about five years ago. Um, I had a new job and so we moved over here and we tried a few churches out and we got here to First McKinney and we felt like we really found home. Um, this was this was a place where we um, saw the intentionality with the scriptures um, and just a devotion to the scriptures. Um, so we loved this place. But when we moved here, we really prayed, Lord, establish us here. Um, give us friends that will, um, you know, that we can really connect with mm-hmm. and we can really, um, to use a phrase, do life with. Mm-hmm. And um, so we came, we found this church and we realized we got to get um, into smaller groups to, to really experience community. And so we tried some of the life groups and we landed in the Tony Hagstrom life group and we really felt connection there. But I feel like what really um, made us feel like we had authentic community was one of the families in our group sought us out and asked us to be a part of a small group that meets off campus on Sunday evenings. And that is where we found a real um, community, where we, where we were able to really um, go deeper and share struggles. In fact, it was um, about a year after we had moved here, I had lost my job. And um, we were here in a new city. We didn't know very many people. And we, I was jobless. And it was our small group that really prayed with us. and walk through that time with us. And then when I um, got my new job, they celebrated with us. And so that really hit home with us, the, um, you know, the importance of having like real people that know who you are and know your struggles and things like that. Anything to add? I think it was through those hard times that those relationships were really forged because when he lost his job, we had only been a part of that group for about a month. So those were very new relationships, but we still had people to turn to and people that called us and prayed with us and walked through that with us. And as awful as that season was, it really is what the Lord used to deepen those relationships and to build that trust. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's the painful seasons that actually grows the community. Uh, we talked a little today about apostles' teaching, and not all of it, just a piece of it. How's that played into groups for y'all? That's, that's good. Um, so, um, for both groups, for our Sunday morning life group, um, you know, we meet together, and it's uh, there's an intentional time at the beginning of our group where we all stand around and we we um, really connect. We catch up with what's been going on, um, and figure out what's been going on in each other's lives. But it's a like a very intentional way to um, have fellowship mm-hmm. at the beginning. And then we dig into the scriptures and we, um, we have a lesson. And then at the end, we take prayer requests. And that's a good time where, you know, when people share what they're praying with, then that list is sent out throughout the week so that we can all pray for each other mm-hmm. throughout the week. And sometimes we'll have a, like a Christmas party where we have food, so we don't always break bread, but um, that's a good time for um, our Sunday morning group. But then our Sunday evening group, we all always get together and we have a meal and we fellowship and then we dig into the scriptures. We either do like a study or we talk about the, um, the sermon that morning. Um, and then again, we share prayer requests and we pray. 
um, for each other. And we, we send out those prayer requests throughout the week and pray for each other there. And so those are two examples of how um, we're modeling the community that is basically modeled in Acts 2.42. Super cool, super cool. Anything to add? Well, it's just, I mean, on Sunday nights, there's kids and there's crying and there's loudness. So there's a little bit of that perseverance, but it's worth it to make sure that we make, carve out that time and to model that for our kids. Yeah. We, we've never had that in our off-campus life group, have we? No, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So hurdles, and you just said one of them already, uh, but hurdles you found to finding and forging community um, in, in the church. Oh, that's, that's good. Um, I think for me personally, um, it's a lot of times selfishness. I tend to like to talk to people that I know Mm -hmm. and that I like. Um, and I I think that's a struggle for a lot of people. You know, we, we just want to, um, you know, talk to people that we know and feel comfortable with. Um, but we have to really, um, out of Philippians two, we have to count others better than ourselves and we have to look to their interests before our own. Mm -hmm. Um, and in doing that, You'll see somebody new come into your life group and you'll go talk to them instead of talking to someone that you're comfortable with and that you really like. Um, So I I think that is one obstacle is just my selfishness. Um, But I I think, I think also, um, you know, we get busy and we feel like sometimes, at least I do, I don't have time to reach out to other people or be intentional with other people. So any others? it's just scary. I mean, it's hard to have those first conversations with people and to do the get to know you part of it. Um, but every single one of our deep, rich relationships we have started at that point. They started in those awkward, what do you do? So who are your kids? It's just part of it and it's worth it. So good. Yeah. It's that the, the journey of a relationship is, yeah. In fact, you, every time you step into a new one, you feel those, okay, we're, yeah. What would you tell the room? If, if there's someone here that's thinking, man, I don't have community, or maybe I even, I tried to find community in the church and I didn't get connected, and, or I've been hurt through community. You know, what would you encourage someone here that's feeling alone? Yeah, that's unfortunately very common. Yeah. Um, I would say number one, pray. Um, what, that's what we did when we moved here, is we said, Lord, please establish us here. Give us friends that we can really call family here. Um, so I think prayer, because ultimately it's the Holy Spirit that's going to provide that for us and lead us into that. Um, but number two, I'd say when you're here at church, try out a group. Try groups until you fit. Um, you find a place where um, you know you connect with people. But I'm sure you've all heard the the saying, if you want good friends, you need to be a good friend. And I think here it's the same. If you want good community, you have to be good community to others. I love that you said um, community is forged, not found. Um, We really have to put forth the effort and we have to be intentional with others um, in order to find that community that, that so many of us really want and need. So anything to add? just say, you know, if you're here and you're wondering about trying to put yourself out there and make those relationships, we want to get to know you. You've walked into a church that we know that God has brought you here sovereignly. We're excited to see what he's going to do with you here. And we want to be a part of that. We want to get to know you. So, so good. So good. Thank you to the Conaways. Y'all thank the Conaways for me. Abby and Scott, thank you. Y'all can step down real quick. And what I'd what I want to invite you to do with me right now is to pray. Uh, Scott's 
challenge, first part of his challenge was to pray and ask God, what does that look like for me? And then Ben, uh, the guy who's in charge of our adult group, is going to come up here in just a second and invite you all to next steps as we close. So ask God right now, what does this look like for me as I seek to set the table for community? Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.